Hey there, horror movie fans. Welcome back to Here's a Mimi Horror Movie Podcast. Sometimes the most fearful element to horror is the constant, uncanny atmosphere that makes you question not only your surroundings, but your identity. And no, this is not Agatha Christie's novel and play, and then there were none, though very similar in story plot and structure, both containing red hearings and cynical plot twist endings. I saw that perform live since I knew a cast member, and it was absolutely fantastic. So yeah, James Goldman 2003's Identity. And yes, Ray Liotta is in this movie. A borderline psychological horror film where 10 strangers are seeking refuge in an isolated motel after a vicious storm breaks out in the Nevada desert. Sus enough. At the same time, a serial killer, Malcolm Rivers, under the care of psychiatrist Dr. Malik, who has just found the killer's revealing journal, awaits execution for murdering a group of motel guests. When the storm-stranded travelers realize they are being killed off one by one, limo driver Ed Dakota, played by John Cusack, bids to stay alive and reveal the murderer's identity. If that sounds confusing now, just wait, my friends. This existential rhetoric manifests itself in an absurd tone when you start to become suspicious of the characters and their motives. Now, each gives off a tone of discomfort since you focus on the character's reasoning and emotional state rather than what the hell is going on, which is mostly common among mystery films and novels. It's kind of an unnoticed flaw depending on how you look at it. What works here is just how unapologetic the plot is and even the characters, if we are being honest. As someone who dissociates a lot, I felt that energy from start to reveal. Now this scene is quite common among reviews since it demonstrates this element of feeling stuck and on a constant loop, similar to the concept of purgatory. When the prisoner escapes and Ray Liotta, I mean Detective Rhodes, chases him, which I find ironic, but I'll let you figure that out on your own, and no matter where they run, they always ended back at the motel, seamlessly. To add to that notion, every time someone died, we saw the body. Then when they went back, you know, they were gone. As the audience, it makes you question whether this is a supernatural film or a slasher film, since that is a very common theme in both subgenres, though sometimes not that realistic. Now, let's talk about this plot twist. If you felt off by the dialogue among the characters, the last names all relating to states in the US and having the same birthday, you would think this is all in your head. Well, you'd be partially right, but first, Lou, Louisiana, seriously? That is absolute comedic genius. And if you didn't catch that, that's one of the name of the characters. The two stories occurring are correlated, but not in a past foreshadowing way like we think. You see, Rivers has dissociative personality disorder, and that comes into picture after we are made aware of the journal entries written by multiple characters all connected to Rivers. Dr. Malik uses this argument to defend River that he wasn't aware of what he was doing and that one of his personalities was responsible for the murders. So he channels all the personalities together by isolating them and uses Ed, the reliable and desired personality, to track down the real killer and eliminating them, thus allowing River to declare insanity and not to be executed the next day the most uniquely ambiguous concept I think I've ever heard of, and a real switcheroo on the old dramatic irony concept since those in the room with River were aware of what was happening, leaving us idiotically clueless. And I love it. I mean, who doesn't want to feel completely disembodied? 
once our red herring and sacrificial hero are dead, we are left our sole survivor, Paris Nevada. Or so we thought. As we learn in the beginning, Paris is a pro. Prostitute. And if you remember, River's mom was also a pro, and the reason for his trauma, which began when he was a child. Okay? Paris escapes her old life to start anew after the murders and is confronted by none other than Timmy York, the innocent child we assume died early in the film during the car explosion. But no, no, he was the real killer all along, orchestrated everything that occurred, and yeah, he killed his parents with those crocodile tears. He murders Paris, but first calls her a whore, and then reassures her that whores don't get second chances leaving him as the sole personality of Rivers, who in real time is being transferred after winning the insanity plea and proceeds to kill his psychiatrist and correctional officer in the Nevada desert, beginning his reign of terror once again as if the motel events were foreshadowing what to come. The high concept has artistic stature, I mean you really get inside the head of the killer. My final note, and probably the most important element of this film, is the realism made out by the surrealism. Now let me explain. We see things and actions of people in our day-to-day -day lives, and sometimes it's so far-fetched we don't believe it's real or could actually occur in front of us. But it does. A child's mind can indeed fracture with trauma, and can split as a coping mechanism. Obviously this is a dramatized example, but what I'm trying to say is, don't ever deny the existence of actions and events. No matter how surreal you may feel, our world is weird, and weird is actually a realistic component to life. Until next time, ciao now!